This is Alan. This is Brandon. And welcome to D6 Minutes, the miniatures gaming podcast where we choose a topic and talk about it for as long as the dice decide. All right, so the one thing that the dice don't decide is that I've got to ask, what have you been up to for hobbying this week? Five minutes, so another Ooh. long one. Luckily, I got a, I've been doing a lot of hobbying. I guess, I don't know why that is. Have you been? I don't know. I don't, have you broken your leg and you can't walk and you're stuck at home? No, no, I haven't. Like That was a while ago. So oh. like, I got COVID and I did a bunch of painting, but that was, I, I talked about that, I think, in a previous one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it just got me into the groove because... Uh, Recently, I've been trying to finish my Blood Bowl uh, team. Now, which Blood Bowl team? Because I bought a whole bunch of them, and I want to eventually have a full eight-man league. Uh, I've been working, trying to finish my dwarves. Because I've been bringing them, like, with me all the time just to finish painting them. And I just always push them off to the side and have something slide in. Like, for example, the last one is the Battletech stuff, which are still kind of sliding in and out. But Mm -hmm. I decided that I've gotten slowly close enough that i was just like you know what i should just finish finish these dwarves so i'm I'm trying to work on them and try to complete them so not quite there yet but i'm getting uh close and obviously i don't know for these guys for a lot of my other like non-infinity projects i basically just kind of paint them however i want i don't try to spend too much time and try to make them look perfect i just i just have fun Mm-hmm. So are these dwarves more like fire slayer shirtless dwarves, or are they more nah, armored dwarves? Bowl dwarves? They're literally the blood bowl dwarves, so they all have jerseys on and so big like, shoulder pads. So they just have football style dwarf armor. Yeah, except okay. that they're short and stout and like have giant arms. Okay, but yeah, te- technically everyone has giant arms because they're you know super strong. Yeah, they never jumped out at me of one of the ones I might possibly get in the future. Halloween one. Ah, Dwarves are cool, man. Mm -hmm. I guess it's because uh, I also, (laughs) maybe this is why, I did play some uh, Warhammer Total War, the video game, Uh and and I finished a campaign recently with dwarves, so I was like, yeah, dwarves are cool. And you already had the dwarves sitting in your closet, so you're like, yeah, I gotta bust these out. I'm inspired. They're always sitting on my, they're actually always sitting on my table. I just do not paint them. Oh, yeah, but after playing video games, yes. like, oh, yeah, dwarves. I'm into dwarves. Yeah, exactly. Game. That's why you got to get that collab. That's why it's important to play uh, games. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to playing games. I guess for hobby stuff, I haven't quite been painting as much. I don't know. Might have been going outside too much. It's weird. But yeah, and, one thing we winter, did. It's kind of weird. Yeah, no. One thing we did do outside is our local game store here in Toronto had a Infinity tournament, so was just probably playing a bit more and working on lists. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you robbed me. <laughs> I did. Rob you me. did come out. You did come for us. I was just joking, obviously. Oh, uh, it's probably because my <laughs> list was superior. But no, with- yeah, you robbed me because you are a better player. That's cheating. You're supposed or, to play crappy like everyone else. Uh huh. And just bring crappy. I should speak for others. Crappy like me. But actually, I did. I did do quite well. So um, that was my first outing for my uh, my assassins, my new assassins. It was quite fun, and the new assassins are very strong. So yeah, I think it's the second time I've played the O12 without sectorials in a tournament. But mm-hmm. 
I think I found that once I played the army for a bit longer and played the lists before, just it mm-hmm. helps to play the same. Like I could have built brand new lists for the tournament, but I'm like, yeah. no, here's the missions in the tournament. I have these lists from before that I'm familiar with. I'll just pick yeah. out of these selections of lists, bring them to the tournament, and I'll just be comfortable running them rather than having to be like, oh, what's this supposed this part supposed to be for? What's that yeah. part supposed to be for? Once you've figured out what the guy's purposes are, you kind of just like you can play more faster that way too. Yeah, I think one of the issues that I had was that uh, I had never played Assassins before. Like, literally, just, I've never played Assassins before. So, like, I've played Hack a lot, right? But that was in N3, and so this is, uh, you know, one of the first times I've been playing uh, Hack, Hack Islam in general. Uh, and the one Hack Islam army that I ran in N4 was a very janky uh, all-janissaries list. So it's a very heavy so, focus list, and that's not what Assassin's are. And going it has for. no, and it has none of the Gulams or anything that I was running this time. It's like literally had none of the units that I ran this time have I run in N4 before, and so I was just spending so much time looking up the things, looking up the profiles, and I'm like, okay, what does this do? What does this do? Right? And uh, so, in hindsight, I probably should have at least read my lists more. <laughs> Uh-huh. But on I've a not positive, them, yeah. Yeah, no, but on a positive, I only ran one list and luckily, just randomly, I just put in all the things that I want uh, that I just painted. So yeah. it has a lot to do stuff. And it turned out that list was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I did uh, pretty good in the tournament, but like and also I took forever, which helped. Um, but I I do think that I should have uh spent well, just at least looked at the list and prepped a little bit more so that I could have played faster. Because we did have an issue where I guess everyone, there's a lot of new people like in, in that tournament, so everyone was playing a little bit slow, I guess. Uh, and we hadn't actually had a tournament in a while, so I guess people had, were a little bit rusty. Um, so the thing did go long, which was uh, unfortunate. But it was super fun, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was fun, so even though... Wasn't super smooth. It was still good. All right. Yeah. So how about I I kick off some some topics for this week? Sure. All right. So I think I mentioned last week about how we gave Blood Red Skies a run or mm-hmm. took it out for a test flight. So one thing I've been thinking about for games we've played is some games have like activation tokens to keep track of what guy is gone and. Yeah. I know for a lot of the games we play, they aren't used, but I'm just uh-huh. thinking, like, when do you think the activation tokens make sense to include in the game, just sort of reflecting on just playing Blood Red Skies? Dice. Um, dice first. Dice first, thoughts later. Five minutes. So this is the last topic. Wow. Just short and sweet, man. Uh, All right. well, so for this one... I think this is an important yeah. topic, so we deserves five. Yeah, so I think so. This this is one of those things that you know I'll just explain the situation where I needed and I didn't need it. So in Blood when Red it was Skies? back and forth, yeah, Blood Red Skies. Mm-hmm. When it's a back and forth thing, uh, I don't think you generally need it because it's it, it has a, a normal cadence, right? So, you know, I go, you go, and you kind of, like, plan out who you're going to activate, and then they plan out who they're going to activate. But in Blood Red Skies, the thing where I'm like, oh, maybe I do need these activation tokens, because they have them, but 
but we weren't using them for for a while, right? Uh, is because in Blood Red Skies you have a um, forced activation order where people who are in uh, advantage go first, and then people who are in in uh, was it neutral and then disadvantaged, right? Go last, right? Yeah. And and it's indicated on their flight stands using the flight stands yeah. what that is, but but the people that can have advantage can through actions force the people who are neutral to go into disadvantaged mm-hmm. so it and ends up changing your your planning and your order of who activated and it mm-hmm. also changes how they look right on the table so it can kind of be a little bit like you're 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 kind of reorganizing who you're who's who's going in what order in your head and it makes it harder to track who has activated and who hasn't Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they can sort of change the groups they activate amongst. So maybe at the beginning of the turn, you know sort of the general order, but it can change over the yeah. course of the turn. Okay, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. And so it's just like cha- because it changes the way that you're thinking about the activation, it it's a it just jumbles things up, and you can kind of mix things up because they're changing. Whereas I feel like in uh, our game, when we have like even if we have like twelve guys. 12 guys probably the max. Arguably, 12 guys, you might want activation tokens. But definitely, like, if you have 10 guys and you're just going back and forth, for me, it's very easy to remember because, uh, like, uh, because you, you've kind of planned it out and you know, you know, who you've activated and who you've moved, right? You're not trying to figure out halfway through, oh, wait, who should I activate now, right? Or maybe maybe some people do, but like for 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 us who are veteran war gamers, that that way of planning it out, that seeing where the battlefield is, seeing what move what changed on the battlefield and who hasn't changed, it becomes a lot easier to remember. So I don't even think for like ten guys, as opposed to the the, the game that we played with a lot less guys, like half the yeah. number of guys, I felt like I needed it. Yeah, the the one thing also that... we're drinking more. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, The more complicated it got, the more we drank. The other thing is that the models in Blood Red Skies are all pre-painted. Uh, and so and the missions we were running all use the same, I want to say ships, but they're not ships, use the same planes. So yeah. because things look the same on the board, they would move around through the course of the turn without the activation tokens. Like, if you have a fantasy model, it's like, okay, this one's got red hair, this one's got blonde hair. Clearly, they're they're different. It's like, but then you look yeah. at the fighter planes; they look the same, and they they shuffle around during the the turn. That's actually a very can, good point. You can lose track. So I found I needed it for that reason. That's actually true. Actually, that's probably the biggest thing now that that you mentioned it. If things look the same, and they move around in similar areas, but they they move in similar areas, but they also are the movement is actually important. Then it becomes very very important that you don't activate the guys guys. Uh, out of order or or double activate so yeah yeah i think the only thing that comes up that that sort of had thoughts of before going into blood red skies is just the length of the game that once you start Mm -hmm. playing lots and lots of turns in the game if you have a three turn game okay you can kind of remember everything that's happened once you start hitting six seven turns you're kind of like is this just deja vu from last turn so i find Uh... in longer turn games the activation tokens sometimes become helpful and like Blood Red Skies has no turn limit. You're like you play until you hit the mission objective, so it can, yeah. it can be one of those long turn, long turn games. Although yeah, although there are things like generally I think it it, it is not because there's a lot of ways to like 
you know, close the game down earlier. Yep. But yes, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. If the if the turns are short, then then the turn. Sorry, if the if I guess the the full rounds are short. Uh, so like you know the full everyone activates kind of thing. Then they do start bl- blending together. Same thing with X Wing as well, which has uh, short short rounds as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot harder for that to happen in let's say um, Frostgrave, right? Where Frostgrave you have ten guys, but every guy generally is like a motley crew of of either mercenaries or your wizard, so they look different. And then there's a lot happening on on every turn, so it's harder to just mix up you know who's gone and who has not. Yeah, that can. Oh, it's definitely it, true. Yeah, that game doesn't go on for super long. You, well, it doesn't go. It goes. The game is long in Frostgrave, but the number of things that happen is usually not. Each guy doesn't do too too many things in the course of a game. Yes, but the, the things that they do are important. Yep. Kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So I think that's that's my thoughts on activation tokens. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we agree. I think it makes a, a lot of sense. So I guess the last thing, just for that. Do you think that we should list that you should have activation tokens in our game? Up to 10 guys? Or mm. up to 12 guys, technically? No, because I think it falls closer to Frostgrave, where you should be able to make your guys unique, and we don't have too, too many turns. So yeah. I think it stays outside of the realm of a game where you'd want activation tokens. But then again, you Fair have to enough. think of like whether that helps newer players, because like the first thing you said is like veteran players who are used to keeping track of things during the course of a game can kind of just like have a framework to keep track of that, but new players, it might help. So there's always that angle. Yeah, got to think about that. All right. So that has been this Dice Over Everything, a relative, relatively short and sweet one. Uh, if you want to send us questions, uh, maybe we'll uh, answer them. Uh, well, we, we almost certainly will if you email it to us. So uh, you can email us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, or find us on Facebook or Dice Over Everything. This has been Alan. Here's from Brandon. Bye.